0: What we've got here is failure to
1: communicate. From sunny Southern California, we bring you Meet Bridget, a podcast for building confident communication and female badassery. We spotlight women who have bridged the gaps in their lives by building strong relationships and speaking their teenage dreams into reality.
0: Welcome back to Meet Bridget. We're so happy that you're with us for another interview episode. I'm Kashia Rosenberg, the COO of Bridget, a platform for teen girls that I've helped build with my best friend, Bridget founder, Asha Gabriel. This month, we thought it would be really fun to flip the mics around and give you some background on us, your Meet Bridget hosts. Today, we are so excited for you to meet Asha. Aside from just being my best friend, Asha has been an economic researcher, an international model, a stockbroker, and Aloe Yoga's first global community manager. She has a USC MBA and is currently a luxury real estate agent in Newport Beach, California. Along the way, she married her soulmate, beat thyroid cancer, and is a thyroid health advocate. And she recently had her first baby girl, and my newest best friend, Eden. And of course, she has been working to help teen girls build confidence and communication skills through Bridget for the last five years. Have a lot of questions? So do I.
1: So let's dive in. Hi, Ashi. Hi, Kishi. Oh my gosh, thank you for that. Incredible intro. You're so welcome. <laughs> like interviewing each other because this is gonna be all stuff. Well, mostly stuff that we know about each other. But yes, maybe but we'll get new nuggets.
0: I think so. And yeah. and lots of things that we just we need to share with the world. The world needs to see it. So let's start with a little bit about your role as CEO of Bridget. What does that mean to you?
1: Well, we created Bridget as a deeply personal response to some of those unaddressed questions and insecurities that we had ourselves as teens. We saw this total lack of settings for teens and adult women to connect on a casual, more lateral playing field. And we frankly just wanted to bridge that void. Mm From there, we plugged into communities of teen girls with the intention of building our community around the gaps that they needed to fill. And through hosting several events and constantly soliciting feedback from our teen girls and our professional women, the themes that just kept emerging over and over were these themes of needing to build more confidence and becoming better communicators in all settings. In our working relationship, to kind of talk about our roles uh, (laughs) together, I feel like, I kind of feel like I lead the way with like idea inception and decision making, um, kind of keeping an eye on our larger scale vision and mission, and always checking in with that. And I feel like Keish, I feel like you're our problem solver and our creative thinker, and you're always in on the details and so scrappy. That said, like as an organization, um, as we've grown and changed, I feel like we've just worked together really intuitively all this time i think that's just a part of startup reality you start with you know your quote unquote roles and job descriptions but really anyone on a a startup team has to be comfortable with just getting their hands dirty and wearing multiple hats
0: completely agree one of the things i love about working together is that we just keep going at every turn it doesn't matter what's thrown at us whether i'm freaking out then you're the person that's like no 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 we got this this is what we're going to do and vice versa and so part of today is going to be digging into how those qualities came to be your resilience your mindfulness your extreme compassion for the people that you work with so maybe we start with you telling us a little bit about your family like where you're from, where you grew up, how many siblings you have.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I love that start because my family really is like my foundation for everything. They are my heartbeat. I would be nowhere without my family. So I was actually born in Omaha, Nebraska to an immigrant Indian mother um, Janani, who's just my best friend ever. Hi, Janani. <laughs> and my dad, uh, Craig, is from the Midwest. They're amazing. They're just incredible people. They have this incredible partnership. I have an older sister who's two years older than me, who was born in Illinois. I was born in Nebraska, and my little brother, Mikey, was born in California. So I'm a middle child of, of three kids. We grew up in Northern California in Redding, and it's just this kind of small mountain town feeling place, but we grew up in a really wholesome way because it was that kind of small town. My parents worked in the same eye doctor practice together. My mom was definitely like the definition of a working mom. She she managed to balance working, but also being so present for all three of us in every single yeah. way. We were like the kids that were involved in every extracurricular activity. We are constantly going on road trips with our family, like my dad would like read books to us on Sunday nights, like my, my family life was really just something so special. And I realized that more and more the more of the world that I see. Yeah, like Reading, it is so beautiful, but it it really is like you, if you're driving from San Francisco, you kind of eventually hit Sacramento and then you keep going north on I-5 and it's just farmland, you know. Mm So I think as a, as a kid, it was great in the sense that, like, I could ride my bike everywhere and, you know, you could see mountains, you know, in mm-hmm. the landscape and everything. But I also felt like I wanted to get out for a long time. I definitely felt like it was a small town. and I And I knew for a long time that when I did go to college, I wanted to go somewhere big, close to a big city. And I think especially being a middle child... I don't think that I was treated differently because I was a middle child, but I do think internally, I always felt this desire to kind of make my own way and do things like as differently from everybody else as possible.
0: Yeah, we've, I mean, we've talked about this a lot and it's just so funny because I think there are oldest children, middle children, young, younger, youngest children, there are all these idiosyncrasies and it's not necessarily because of what your parents did per se, but For me, at least, and I think maybe you've expressed this a little bit too. It's like as the oldest daughter, you find that your role, and maybe it's one you create for yourself, but your role is innately being an example for other people and kind of caring for them. So everything you do has like this tiny amount of, am I doing this right? Am I doing it well? What do people see when I'm doing this? Whereas middle children, you kind of have a little bit of both you are not the oldest, you're not the youngest, you have somebody to look up to, which Archana is a phenomenal human being. So is Mikey. But like, you have somebody to look up to, but you also have somebody that you're guiding through different things. So did you ever feel pressure? (laughs) from
1: that? I feel like I probably had less pressure than Mm Archana did. I think the older sibling, at least in our dynamic, I don't, I mean, I think it was, again, maybe some of that pressure is that she just felt internally Mm -hmm. um but i do think that there was more pressure on her than on me like i i felt like i was able to get away with trying things and being like not a black sheep but like you know just kind of rebel a little bit yeah like in the (laughs) beginning i would say it was a little bit like rebel without a cause like i do think that i am a person that's that is, for better or worse, motivated by people telling me I can't do something.
0: That was my next question. I was like, so if somebody tells you don't do that, what's your first what's your first Um, instinct?
1: My first question is like, but why? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I definitely I mean, that said, we were really good kids like my parents a lot of time into making sure that we felt guidance with school that we knew the value of an education because that immigrant mentality definitely like, came through with my mom like she was the kind of mom that would go i remember this in like elementary school she'd go to the school get the math textbooks for the next year before mm-hmm. like school year was out and over the summer we would have to do like a certain number of pages in the math book every single day before we could go like play with our friends which at the time I'm not naturally gifted in math at all. So that was especially hard for me. So it was miserable. Like at the time I thought it was like the worst thing ever, but looking back, it just like all these little ways that my parents really tried to give us a leg up. So anyway, so through school and everything, like, I, I don't know, I, I felt like I was always trying to find like my, my little spaces just to be me and be a little bit different from my siblings. So like when I, especially when I was younger, I found dance and particularly ballet and that was like really impactful for me it's so funny because you are so
0: outgoing now but i i know you to be the introverted extrovert i don't think most people would get that off the bat because when you walk into a room you have this very commanding presence and this like quiet confidence about you so i don't like it's it's so funny witnessing that and then knowing that you were so shy as a kid did you have a big group of friends, a smaller group of friends, or were you mostly like, were you and Archana and Mikey kind of like a little pack?
1: Yeah, I definitely think like when you grow up with siblings, no matter what you're doing, especially as a middle child, like there's always someone, like I was never left out. as a kid Uh, at school i i I would never really call myself like popular but i wasn't really like an outcast either Mm -hmm. i was kind of like okay with everybody um but i never had that like group of like 10 friends and we were all best friends like i had one or two very best friends and i don't know i I think i kind of just floated in school a little bit i think that i uh, in school, in high school particularly, I was so focused. I'm a kind of person that, like, if I get my mind set on something, mm-hmm. it can be, like, I can obsess over certain goals and, and, t- and like, just not be tunnel vision a little bit. Yeah. And in high school, it was getting into the best college I could and in my mind I was like okay then I have to be in all the AP classes and get over a 4.0 like I have to try to be the top person in my whole class and I have to do every single club and found a club and be the best at dance so so much of my time and energy was invested in creating my college application yeah that I think that I, sometimes I let the more free feeling things that come along with being a young person, I let them fall by the wayside a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I look back on now and I feel like if I could have done it differently, I would have, you know, been a little bit more present because that was something I definitely felt when I got to college. I mean, I, I was... Thankfully, I got into UCLA with a academic scholarship, you know, had a wonderful time in college, but I do remember finishing college and and it didn't really hit me until I was graduating. And I was like, okay, like, I didn't think past this point, like for Mm -hmm. so long, what defined me was going to the best college that I could get into and doing the best when I got there that I didn't even really think like, why am I going to college or what am I going to use this for? Or what do I want to Mm -hmm. be what's my passion i I just that wasn't something i really ever asked myself as a young person
0: because it sounds like you put a lot of pressure on yourself to succeed and there on the one hand you're incredibly driven but as a teen like did that affect you in any way like do you feel like that was just something sort of self-imposed that's
1: part of your personality i think it is part of my personality but i think that like that intensity of focus probably made me not super like, you know, I wasn't super cool. (laughs) like I had friends. I don't think anyone really hated me, but I definitely wasn't like a cool girl.
0: Yeah. It's just really interesting that from a very early age, like having one thing in mind kept you so driven and focused all the way through to college maybe share a couple things about growing up with archana and mikey like maybe things that were formative or might have contributed to your personality now or who you are now
1: yeah i mean two things immediately like come to mind like one person who has impacted me during her life and even more after is my my grandmother um so my mom's mom from india um, survived breast cancer twice and had pancreatic cancer and passed away. I think she was 98 when she passed away. And to the very end and through all of those struggles, she was cracking jokes and had this like, just like fire of spirit that I, I, I could it radiated off of her and it it was so inspiring to me when I was even a, a little girl. I didn't understand it because she was so strong. Like I remember seeing her seeing her. In her hospital bed and she's like i'm not quite ready to go yet and that's my that was my first tattoo is her name in sanskrit on my side her mm-hmm. name is Willow. so she was always just so impactful through my entire childhood and today the other thing that i think really uh, was like a pivotal moment for me in high school was an accident i was in with my sister archana so archana is two years older than me She was going to be a senior in high school, and I was going to be a sophomore, and we were driving to a movie theater to meet up with my parents and my brother. We were all going to see a movie together, but Arch and I were running late, so we're like, we'll just drive together, and while we were on this drive, we had been fighting, which was totally typical at the time. Usually, it was like really stupid things like you bought the same jacket I bought, or like you know, just dumb stuff. Um, so we're fighting about something I don't remember. But we're pu- we were pulling into this parking lot, and in the kind of back part of the parking lot, a guy was like speeding really fast and t boned my sister's side of the car at like forty miles an hour. Oh so it for me, um, like it's hard to even like talk about in detail today. Um, but I just remember that moment when I came to after that accident, I didn't open my eyes for a moment, but when I did and I saw my sister's face and she was unconscious and there was glass and blood and everything. And um, I, in that moment, could only conclude that she wasn't going to come to. And I just remember screaming her name and everything that I thought she would hadn't maybe hadn't heard from me or didn't know or what she would need to know in those final moments in case she didn't come to. and that was such a earth shattering moment for me because up to that point my relationship with my sister was just what it was like it was like i have a sister and we fight sometimes and she's annoying sometimes yeah she's like you know my best friend but Mm -hmm. um it's just a thing and i didn't realize how much of my identity and my worldview was shaped by the fact that i had been gifted a sister to live life with um she did come to obviously and um, she had shatter- a shattered pelvis and she was airlifted into another hospital and everything. Um, she's healed beautifully, didn't have to have any major sur- surgeries or anything. She's carried a child naturally since then, which we'll get into later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that moment really cemented the feeling that I have the appreciation that I have for the role of a sister, whether it's, it's your biological sister or someone that comes into your life and you form a sisterhood. With, like, you and I, I feel, mm-hmm. have. But it also, I think, took that element that I always had in school of like hyper focus and sometimes like contr- over control of trying to over control myself, particularly more than like circumstances around me. And that amplified it. I think at that time, I, I after that accident, I do see it, like there was a very strong period of my life and I feel echoes of it today where. I tried to find things that I could really control about my life.
0: I mean, that it's an incredibly traumatic experience for anyone at any age, but especially at the age that you are at in your teen years. I think trauma like that really embeds itself and becomes so formative because, you know, it lives within the person that you are and becomes part of the person that you are. And I can not i can see as somebody that knows you really well how that's affected you in certain ways. And I, I can see like the threads throughout your life of like control versus focus. And you do a great job of balancing all of those things now. I think you're so intuitive and so self-aware that this has really turned into a gift. And I wonder if Even if you didn't see it at the time, it was the gift of that. I don't want to say that innocence being ripped away early, but then all of a sudden, you could see very clearly like the weight of your relationship with your family, with your sister specifically, and how meaningful that was moving forward in your life. And that happened at such an early age that you didn't really skip a beat or miss too much time of having that realization,
1: so. Yeah, well, I I also wouldn't say that, like, after that point, my sister and I never fought again. (laughs) No, not at all. Every time we saw her face, like, that's not true, you know? But I do think that it's been a constant, you know, recurring reminder to me that it's like, Yeah. Was a reminder of like the weight of that relationship and ultimately the fact that that relationship was, is a blessing to begin with.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, I love how many strong women you have in your life, you know, from your grandmother to your mom, to your sister, who's, you know, just as incredible as you are. I think that your family is such an incredible part of who you are. And like you said, they're so foundational in your life. And I can see how the environment in which your parents raised you really allowed all of you, but especially you, Asha, to be free and creative and, you know, even for the tunnel vision that you might describe, you still had a really safe place to land, which is like a beautiful thing. And I think it's really cool how that's kind of evolved into your creative entrepreneurial spirit. So even when you didn't really see beyond graduation at college, like all of it ended up being okay at the end of yeah. the day. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think that the theme that emerged, so I went to UCLA in my second year in school actually really started my first year in school. I got to UCLA and I was like, yes, this is great. I'm in LA. Like this is exactly what I wanted a big state school, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I started, I also signed with a modeling agency and my parents were also like, this is a bad idea. You're here for school. And I'm like, no, like I have a gut feeling about this. I think this is going to be good. So I started modeling and I was signed with a. Um, LA Models runway to start and started working quite a bit. Um, And I was also in school and all my grades actually got better once I was like working almost full time and then also studying. I started realizing at that point that like, I am at my best when I'm stirring multiple pots. Mm -hmm. I like, even from a very young age, like if my parents asked me what I wanted to be, originally I said like an actress. And then I would say like Barbara Walters because I think <laughs> the, the thing was, I was like, I mean, look at Barbara. Like she, everyone thinks it's like the interesting people are the people she's interviewing, but she gets to like live vicariously through all of these mm-hmm. different people. Like how much knowledge, how much experience does she get to just absorb by by wearing all these hats and stepping into all these lives? So I always had the, I have this element of wanting to be a lot of things at once. So at school, like when I was modeling and studying you know and doing all these different Mm -hmm. things i really like hit my hit my stride and um was performing my best in all of those different things okay so i was at at ucla i was like loving life because i was working i had this whole other like persona really it actually even was like i went by natasha growing up because you know my my legal name is natasha but my family always called me asha asha is an indian name that means hope but at school i was always natasha and honestly like I went by Natasha because the majority of my elementary and you know middle high school was all white kids, and at the time I was like, I want to fit in with a white sounding name, um, so I went by Natasha, and then. Even in college, I kept Natasha because that was a, saw my driver's license. But then an agent heard, I think my mom called me Asha, and they were like, Well, let's call you Asha. Like, that's more interesting. And, you know, you're not Russian. You I mean, All of our Natashas are Russian. So then I even felt like it was a totally different persona because when I was modeling, it was Asha. And then I was in school and it was Natasha, and I loved it. I was like, This yeah. is great. So it was really exciting. And then I graduated school and I was like, You know, I'm making a good amount of money modeling. I had been traveling everywhere. I walked runways for Chanel, Prada, Versace, like all, all, a lot of big names. I was working with Nordstrom a lot. Um, so I was like, I, I should just give modeling by itself a, a shot for a little while. So mm-hmm. for a couple of years, I was just modeling after school and was doing well, making money. But I realized, I think a year in, I was like, okay, I miss learning. Like I'm also like a I need to be studying something at all times. Like Mm -hmm. I like learning. So while I was traveling around, I started, I was like, well, I'm seeing all these different cities and there's different housing here and there. I like seeing the ways the different cities are set up. So I was like, why don't I get my real estate license? Um, I can study for it on the go. So I was literally like studying, you know, behind the scenes at shows and stuff, got my real estate license and thought maybe I'll go into like, commercial real estate finance, because that sounds like a Mm -hmm. fancy job. I I just felt like I need to have two things going again, because just modeling, I feel like my brain is dying. (laughs) Um, So I started interviewing for different jobs. Um, Eventually, I got an offer that actually wasn't even in real estate finance, but um, in investment management in Century City in in LA. And I took that job um, and kind of put a hold on modeling at that point to start this real job <laughs> as i saw it so i started that and that was a huge shock for me because i mean i, I had worked in formal settings like i went to ucla i understood like mm-hmm. you know different careers but it was definitely like the first financial job that i had had wearing a suit to work every day and but I was I was really committed to giving it my all and and learning it especially because I had like while I was interviewing for some of these jobs so I I interviewed for some commercial real estate jobs I interviewed for a couple banks one of the banks that I interviewed for I'm motivated by adversity right Mm -hmm. so one of the banks I remember I was uh talking about my work at UCLA so I had worked in um intellectual property research mm-hmm. in the economics department uh, as a research assistant while I was at UCLA. And I was talking about my research and this guy interrupts me during the interview. And he was like, I'm sorry. He's like, he's like, you see that hallway out there? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, do you, are you okay with the fact that it's not a runway? And I just remember like looking at him and I was like, all right, like, Rude. There are some- and this is like, I don't know if I can change this. Yeah. So I had struggled in some of these interviews and stuff. So I I was really excited to like start this new job and give it my all and everything, but also like (laughs) you do your best in situations. And I, after some, you know, I think it was almost two years that I was there by the end of my time at the investment management firm I was at, like my appendix had almost burst. I had gotten shingles. (laughs) Like it was a very stressful job and not stressful in the way that I like that you helped me, Yeah. Thrive. Your body was
0: breaking uh, down.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I left that job without something lined up, which my family was again telling me like, you can't quit a job and not have another job lined up. But at that point I was like, I can't even think about my next move until I'm out of this situation. But one thing I did do while I was at that role, I was managing money for all sorts of very wealthy individuals, trusts, estates, nonprofit institutions. So I did learn a lot about like how nonprofits are set up. Mm -hmm. And I had been volunteering, teaching SAT classes in the inner city at USC on the weekends. And I realized that like, okay, I want to do something with these teen girls. I want to help visibility. I want to help them see themselves, not just to college, but beyond and help them get there. So I was like, okay, I guess the way that I have to do this is as a nonprofit. So I started a nonprofit based on like studying the documents, you know, the foundational documents of the nonprofits that I was managing money for.
0: So when you are working at the financial institution, were you already starting to imagine Bridget coming to life? Or was this something that started after? Because I actually, even though I was there almost at the inception, I don't, Mm. I actually don't really know whether you were working at that time or if you had already left. I
1: was. And I'm actually so grateful for that Role, I think that this is something I love imparting to our girls, is that any job that you take is going to, especially when you're young, it's going to teach you something. Mm-hmm. And, and even if it's teaching you that like, this is not for me, that is a step forward. Yeah, You're eliminating all of the different like possibilities for yourself or, you know, paths that you can take and that's productive. So I am really grateful. At the time I was realizing like, I'm unhappy in this role for myself. So unhappy to the point where I was like really seeking uh, fulfillment somewhere else. And that's what led me to being like, I had this idea and I started Bridget while I was, I was still working there. So.
0: I love how experimental you've always been too. And I think that that's been, that's been like a really cool trait of yours because you have this fearlessness and whether or not you actually have fear within you or not, and I'm sure at times you have, but it always comes off as this fearlessness and this confidence and just like this willingness to say like, let's try something new and let's just see what happens. So that's really cool. And I also, I wanted to kind of touch a little bit more on what you were saying to young girls trying different jobs and trying different experiences and using all of them as learning experiences rather than the be-all end-all. Because you transitioned through, you have transitioned through multiple different things that outwardly look quite different. Like finance Mm -hmm. and real estate are very different from modeling. And modeling is really, I mean, even though you started doing that in college, I imagine that you know in high school and early on in college before you were scouted you were focusing on academic pursuits. So can you speak a little bit more on how you leverage your different talents or how you kind of pulled all of that together to jump from point A to what looks like point C but for you it was point B. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean I think that the biggest change that happened in those years for me was that when I was in college and this even applies to like my romantic relationships when i was in college i thought that i need to conform myself to fit the roles that i aspired to um so i did that in my relationships i did that when i first started modeling you know some of those like control issues that emerged after my sister's accident for me was like borderline eating disorder like real skinniness Um, and i was a ballet dancer so, like when I was first starting modeling, I was so fixated on making my body like the perfect size. Or, um, you know, when I would get rejected for things, I was really, really down and I took it super personally. But over time, I think I did learn that it's not sustainable to think that everything is personal. And it's not sustainable to think that you can just mold yourself to everybody else's expectations. And it was, it's so great that you like you were along for like all of, you know, really transformational time for me. I think what it, the difference between wearing a lot of hats, like how that's kind of changed for me, I've always liked that, Mm -hmm. but I think what what it's uh, adapted to for me is that now when I do different things, it's like, it's out of choice and like based on empathy, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So instead of just trying to like walk into a room and be what people want me to be or be like somebody else, it's like, okay, like, let me just genuinely try to relate to the people around me, stay myself, but then connect with them and do work there, Mm -hmm. you know? where it's not trying to like step outside myself to be someone I'm not, but really just like, let's see how many different roles I can wear while still sitting in my chair and being me. I love that. And I, I see
0: you really walk that talk. And so that's that's a really cool thing. And I think that's a gift that you've always given to any of the girls that have stepped into any of our Bridget events and to all of our partners and sponsors
1: and guests. And so that's super cool. In that founding period too, I think when you start anything I mean, some people would just have that like blind confidence. I definitely did not, you know, and especially in the beginning, there was always this feeling of like, is this even a real thing? Mm -hmm. Are people going to think of this as a real thing? You know, at the, in the beginning when we were a nonprofit, now we're just a normal company, but like in the beginning, you know, I started researching like starting a nonprofit and everyone's like, well, you have to fundraise. And I'm like, how, if I'm spending all my time fundraising, like, How am I going to actually spend the time doing the things? Like we had to figure out if like the help even helps. Yeah. Providing the the value. Yeah. So we were like, okay, fine. I'm just going to like fund this out of pocket and we'll just get scrappy and figure it out. But that also meant that like, okay, if I'm going to just be paying for this, I have to keep the job while we're doing this. So like I had quit my finance job, thankfully got a call um, from Alo Yoga from their marketing director at the time because I had modeled for them a lot and I knew all the yogis and I was kind of yogi like the yogis in their community mm-hmm. right i was friends with them but they knew that i was also you know i gone to college and everything so they offered me a job to come on board and be like their first community manager and kind of start that department and run their partnerships i helped start their nonprofit that's called allo gives um so really kind of came on to start a new commu- like a new department there that was was going on in another kind of crazy Fun, like exciting professional experience before business school, even. Yeah, and
0: it was so awesome because you took every single lesson you learned along the way and like infused it into Bridget. And we, I mean, it only ever benefited us. Even the moments where we were being super scrappy, it was like we always figured it out. But you also always had a way of like weaving all of these different chords of your life together to create like one thread. So You have this really cool job at Aloe. It's the first of its kind. Like I remember they created this role for you because they saw a lot of potential in what you, and I don't even know that they realized what Bridget was at the time so much, but they just saw so much potential in it and were so impressed by you as a human being that they created this role knowing that you do something really special for them. And like, tell us a little bit more about that time in your life. I feel like it was very fun for you, but then you had to yeah. leave it,
1: <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, I loved, I loved working at Allo. I think it was very different from my finance job that was like, that That job was very structured. Mm-hmm. You show up every day in a suit, it starts at a certain time, it revolves around market hours, there are rules for every single transaction that you do. And then I showed up at Allo and like everybody's wearing yoga pants or fashion clothes. And you know, like the CEO is like riding around on like this little hoverboard <laughs> thing, like it was totally the feeling of a startup, even though it was really starting to, there are like a lot of, you know, great marketing work mm-hmm. had already been done. They were, they were really taking off as a recognized brand in the active work space. Um, so it was exciting to be there. Like I got to do a lot of yoga. We would have like daily yoga classes, but it was unstructured too. It was very much like a, the feel of a startup that like, you know, I'd be getting texts from my boss at like Saturday night, you know, at yeah. midnight and be, to be responding to her. And, you know, there's just like, there was so much going on. It was, there were like, tough, stressful times, but I learned so much. And it was in a industry that felt very um, aligned with who I am. Um, So it was hard to leave because I felt like I I did do a lot of good work there. So when I told them, uh, the reason I left was because I received my scholarship. I had Mm -hmm. been applying to business schools when I was in my finance job. And I got this letter later that I got almost a full scholarship to business school at USC. And for me, that really represented like my, my application to business school was based on my vision for Bridget. Mm-hmm. So even though I had been working at Allo and having this amazing momentum there, in my heart, I was like, man, to be able to go back to business school and really focus on Bridget, which is like, it's my dream. I can't turn this down. So that was a really hard time for me to walk away from a job that, you know, I'm sure if I stayed there would be really really All our job right now, (laughs) but I just had to honor this thing in my heart that said I should go back to school and, and learn more and focus on Bridget. And I'm really glad I did.
0: And now a quick note from our sponsors. You guys, I have to share my favorite snack with you right now. I am obsessed with it. It is so delicious. It's called Tosi Bars. My best friend, Asha, introduced me to them and they are just delicious. What I love about them is they're full of plant protein, six grams or less of sugar, and they come in two different sizes. So whether I'm like running in and out of the house to go do groceries or run a quick errand, I can throw the smaller Super Bites bars into my bag and just have them on the go and they're delicious. Eat them in my car, eat them while I'm sitting doing work at my computer. They're just the best snack ever and they come in delicious flavors. I'm obsessed right now with the almond, and they also have a chocolate peanut butter, which is just delicious. So you have to check them out. Again, it's called Tosi, Super Bites, spelled T-O-S-I, and they're just delicious.
1: And now back to the show. Later on, just my vision and everything for Bridget was really what earned me a scholarship for my MBA at USC. So a lot of people go and get their MBA because they wanna like switch career paths um, or you can use it as a more um, like launch pad type approach um, if you are an entrepreneur which is what i wanted to do with my mba for bridget so most of my focus while i was at usc for my mba was around bridget we participated in pitch competitions which was really fun because you know quiche got to come along and be plugged right into that situation and compete. And I was so proud of my team and it was such a cool um, yeah.
0: like think tank experience too, because yeah. USC does such a great job of like really be immersing you in different situations.
1: yeah. I mean, it was it was very, very cool and very competitive to uh, like participate in a lot of those pitch competitions. You know, we won a national pitch competition, which is really neat. Um, We earned funding for Bridget, which was really cool.
0: When you were at USC, in the middle of all of these pitch competitions, something big happened to you. And I think that it's something that has given you a sense of purpose in a way and has also affected you so greatly and affected your family and is now it's part
1: of who you are. So can you share what happened when you were in business school so i had i mean along the way actually so my my husband now andrew i met him back when i was working at the financial firm Mm -hmm. so he saw me through like two different career changes um, and all sorts of stuff and being in business school he proposed to me while i was in business school and i was like on top of the world and navigating like moving out of my apartment we were going to move in together and everything which meant moving down to orange county and in the middle of that move i received um, a, a thyroid cancer diagnosis and uh, so many people say that like when you get that call or you have that moment like you'll remember it forever like I, I was on my back patio and literally like fell to my knees i couldn't believe it i'm like me like i'm so like <laughs> i feel like i'm the healthy person like doing so much yoga and all these different things and it was just like a smack in the face especially because i had just gotten engaged like i remember feeling for a long time guilty that my husband had proposed to me and i felt like i was giving him like like i was a uh, what do they call that? Like a lemon, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, I, I remember telling him, I was like, you can take it back, you know, cause I have cancer and I don't want you to deal with that. And he was like rolling his eyes. And I mean, to this day, I really feel like me being able to witness how he supported me through that time and what a rock he was, was such a, such a gift to my whole idea of marriage and how it's been since then. Mm-hmm. Um, it gave me so much confidence in marrying him because he was just so there for me. But yeah, so I was diagnosed with the cancer within a month. I was having a full surgery to remove my thyroid, which was crazy because it's like a, you know, your throat getting cut open. But now I'm like completely on artificial thyroid hormone. I had uh, radioactive iodine therapy shortly after that, which is basically they give you a pill that is intended like the radiation kills any remaining cancerous material in your neck. But it, it literally, when you take the pill, like it makes your whole body radioactive. So yeah. you have to stay twelve feet away from anyone for like, I think it was a couple of weeks or something. So it was just this really bizarre. I know experience. you had
0: quarantined before.
1: No, Martin. I was like the O. You were, you
0: were. I remember calling you, and you'd be like, "It's like day four
1: <laughs> like, know, in my head, all I back could back see room. was like, "Yeah."
0: In my head, all I imagined was like, you know, an ET when they're like all covered. In... <laughs> I mean, I know, I know what an oncology unit looks like, but like, I was just <sighs> that was that was a rough time. I, I mean, I know it was rough for me as your friend. It was rough to witness your family have to go through that too. You were all incredibly strong, but. I can't imagine, you know, to be in your shoes.
1: I mean, I think that this and then later pregnancy, were they were both gifts of having to release some control. I think that especially when you're an entrepreneur, you're really a person that values success, you start thinking that like, if I do X, Y, and Z, I'm going to get this result, you know? And in a lot of ways that that, that works when you're planning different things, but life throws you wild cards. And I had a really wise friend tell me that she's like the things that you worry about from day to day they're never the things that really knock you on your face they're the things you didn't even fathom coming which i feel like we can all relate to when we think of like covid right (laughs) no one was anticipating covid you know i i do think that cancer had to humble me and it was like listen Yes, the fact that I was do, trying to do all these things to be a really healthy, active person, and I got cancer, it's not because I was doing those things. Like, cancer happens to people, and it doesn't mean that I should stop doing those things. If anything, like, I should shine a light on, like, how can I embrace this and conquer it, you know, and and inform people and support people that have gone through this and join this community and build community around it, that there's just so much that was out of my control and I had to just take it in stride. And I think that pregnancy, you know, I I got pregnant, like, you know, a few months before quarantine started, was pregnant through quarantine, delivered my baby in quarantine. Was
0: Andrew allowed to be in the room with you?
1: He was allowed to be in the delivery room, but not at any of my appointments or ultrasounds or anything. Um, That's another challenge too,
0: as like a first to my mom and, you know, going through all of this in the middle of quarantine to not have your partner there with you.
1: Yeah, and I also think that, like, I mean, just pregnancy in general is so humbling because, especially coming from someone that I had been in the industry where it's like my body is my income, so I know exactly what it takes to, like, okay, I want to work more athletic jobs. I'm going to do this. I want to do this. Like, I want to be runway ready. I do this, and then you get pregnant, and it's like your body takes over, and it's like I'm, my body is going to do exactly what it needs to to have this little life. And for me, that was so impactful because it was like was difficult in the moment mm-hmm. because. You know, it's like, wow, well, I'm growing in different places that I didn't have curves before and all these things are happening and I'm, you know, hungry or tired or hot or sleepy or sick. And then you have this little angel and it's like, wow, look at what my body did without me even having to control it all or instruct it, you know. So this a sense of appreciation for lack of control mm-hmm. and appreciation for our instinct and intuition, I think that grew so much from I'm having a baby. If you guys are anything like
0: me, I can sometimes get into a pit of working without taking breaks. And before I know it, it's 3 p.m. I'm starving and it's a little too close to dinner, and I need something quick to grab to eat and to nourish myself. Well, look no further. I have discovered the perfect snack. They're called Tosi Bars T-O-S-I. They're absolutely delicious. They're primarily made with nuts. They make these delicious bars that are eight grams of protein and six grams or less of sugar. They're just delicious. I'm obsessed with the peanut butter dark chocolate flavor and the cashew coconut. Try them out. You won't be disappointed. You've worn so many... Like you said, so many different hats throughout your lifetime, but all of the same themes keep emerging. And to me, those are themes of resilience. Those are themes of you being able to take things in stride, to continually revisit yourself and to know and understand when you need to have more control versus easing up on the reins along this entire journey starting from you know when you were leaving your financial job like you were also not just living life but you were growing Bridget and we were experimenting and we were in these pitched competitions and then we were you know self-funding and like putting together different teams and stuff so i mean it's it's great to hear everything else that was going on in your life as well. In all of these things, like you are a developer of community and you have your hands in a lot of different projects or y- you know, at any given time you're always interested in doing lots of different things. But then you became a mama. So, how did that shift your perspective and how do you do it all?
1: Like, I mean, definitely don't do it all is a thing. <laughs> like I think that Especially when when you become a mom, even while you're pregnant, you realize that it's like life is full already of trade-offs. But then when you introduce this little life into the mix, like the trade-offs are heavier. Mm -hmm. It it forced me to like take a look at that balance. And um, while I was pregnant and during quarantine, I realized that I was like, okay, like I definitely want to be a really present mom. But I, I need to work, like I'm the kind of mind that needs things to work on, otherwise I won't be happy. So I knew that Bridget was falling into this cool idea of working through a podcast right now. And that's, that's something I can do from home, Mm -hmm. you know, or on the go. And then, um, I was connected with a really great luxury real estate team here in Orange County. And I had my real estate license from all those years back while I was modeling. And I realized like, okay, real estate is something I'm still very fascinated in and it's right here. And I have so much to learn and it's all around me. Um, so it was great because when I was pregnant, I was going for all these walks and I really got into walking while I was pregnant during quarantine. It felt very peaceful and stable, but I was just looking at all the different neighborhoods and houses and um, have really been enjoying like trying on this, you know, another new hat. So I don't know, I I think that being a mom for me has been this like balance game of being with her as much as I possibly can, but also keeping in mind that I need to be my best self for her and that she's seeing that she'll, she'll be able to see if I'm fulfilled and happy and full before I give myself to her. Do
0: you think that comes from your mom too, a little bit?
1: Totally. I think my mom did a really honest and great job of doing both, you know, and like taking care of herself in the sense that she continued to work and she was really fulfilled by her work as an optometrist, but she was also so present for us yeah i think that definitely comes from her that's such a gift
0: and i think that's a legacy you're going to continue to pass on through your daughter i think eden's really lucky i mean it's been exciting every step of the way and um you handle transitions really well despite you know, <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> well tell me tell because i you keep saying like i i don't think that that's the case but outwardly you really do so like what are you telling yourself when you're like going through that transition because you've have you've had many there have been many big leaps of faith that you've taken and not to say that they haven't been measured because you're very you're very smart about the decisions you make but like what's going on in your head when that's happening
1: i mean i think that when i've made those big changes internally it's felt like there is no other way like I have to do something like I, I definitely feel like if things don't feel aligned for me like I have to make a change which is like a, a stressful feeling yeah. to have you know, where it's like I I, I just I can't sit with dissatisfaction yeah. <laughs> for a long time like I, I do understand like I, I don't think that Any career, any job, any role anywhere is going to be 100% sunshine and daisies. You know, it's hard work, it's hard days. But I do think that especially while you're young, like if you aren't satisfied in the job that you have or the role or the life, like the daily work that you're doing, like especially if you're young, like change it, Mm -hmm. change something you know, because there are so many different opportunities out there. And it might feel like, okay, what is the common thread between being a model and being in finance and being in a marketing place, you know, and doing this and that? Like, it doesn't, yeah, they're all, they're different industries, quote unquote. But in, in my experience, I think that there have been common threads and things that I've pulled from each one that all tie into what I'm doing today. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, I'm, I'm not afraid of like, big change, but I definitely wouldn't say that like, those moments are graceful.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that the, you know, being able to sit with that like truth and just recognize that in yourself, like taking a second to be like, oh, this doesn't feel right. Like it's time for me to move forward. I think that's really key and it's hard for people to do. And I think just having that tiny ounce of bravery to do it, you're a prime example of how things work out. So going back to that quiet confidence that you carry so well, what are, you know, in the vein of this, like, what are some other tactics you employ to really help create successful situations for yourself, no matter where you are, like in relationships, in jobs, as a mother, like?
1: I don't know if I really have like tactics. I think it's just like showing up as my my full self and being okay with making mistakes and correcting them. And when I do mess up, like owning my mistakes, apologizing where I need to, and then um, taking the steps that I don't make those mistakes again.
0: Yeah, I mean, you are definitely great at that. And um, you're also an open book in a lot of ways. I mean, your transparency is something that you do well. And I know you'll probably say it doesn't always feel graceful, but how do you, balance that between those two traits where you're transparent, but you also, you're not always the first person to speak up in the room. I mean, you are that introverted extrovert. So how do you balance those two things so well or so seamlessly?
1: Well, I just, I think I I also really value like quiet time. Like I was saying like my walks while pregnant Mm and even after pregnancy before quarantine, it was like a good yoga class. Like I do think that quiet time, whether it's, journaling breathing doing yoga meditating walking whatever I think just gives you moments to absorb incorporate and set your intention for what's what's next I think that having that time to kind of retreat is real, always been really important to me
0: would you agree that like those moments are essential to like being able to find balance for all of your other relationships they definitely
1: are like I I also f- believe that words especially are, are really powerful, um, and it, and especially in conflict. I'm not the kind of. Per- I mean, I've, everybody's said things they don't mean, and then had to backtrack. But I really like. I've seen how words can be really hurtful. So when I'm in situations of discomfort, I much rather would be like, "Hey, I need five. Like, I gotta go for a walk mm-hmm. around the block and then come back to it. You know, just have a quiet moment. Like, I definitely like to um, think." before I speak I guess I think that's important
0: okay well we are coming near the end of our time together let's transition into something fun let's close this out on like a fun funky note and you are fast five
1: so are you ready I'm ready (laughs) favorite place on earth Uh, probably um Big Sur Oh. is what first comes to mind. Like, I love just seeing like, the cliff and like, off the cliff, like just the way that the, the ocean meets the sky and everything is big. And there's no service out there. I just I am definitely like a mountains and trees and big ocean kind of person.
0: Oh, that makes sense. Because your wedding in Tahoe
1: was spectacular. Yeah. Probably my yeah. place, my favorite <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, are you a morning person or a night owl?
1: I'm definitely a morning person. Like I love the feeling of like waking up before everybody else is woken up. Like I like feeling like I have a head start on the day. I love the quiet of like the dawn. Um, I'm definitely, definitely a morning person. Oh, that's so funny because I am definitely a night person, but I like the <laughs> night
0: for the same reasons. Yeah. Like I like being yeah. up late at night when everyone else is asleep. Yeah. <laughs> okay daily routine whether it's morning or evening like what are some of your go-to's to just either set the tone for the day or wind down for the evening
1: yeah this has been a real struggle since having a baby because it's like whatever routine that you had before baby it's suddenly like everything comes after the baby's routine Mm -hmm. so really right now my routine is very much set by my baby's like feeding schedule or or how loud she's crying for me or whatever but i do like to if i can wake up before her um and just have a little mo- like uh, preferably like actually meditating or something but even if it's just having a little bit of my coffee by myself i have this five minute journal that i like a lot because it just asks you to state th- three things you're grateful for kind of set an intention for the day say some affirmations um and then you like loop back to it at the end of the night and i, I really uh, like. The headspace that that gets me in yeah i love that. and then i like to work out in the morning i like if i can get my workout in in the morning it sets a tone for the whole day oh, i agree i agree
0: um the best and worst of being tall
1: oh you know i love being tall now i think that i i love that you walk into a room and you command a presence yeah. um, but it was really uncomfortable growing up i did it took me a while to grow into my own skin i was definitely like the tall girl i shot up i think it was my freshman year of high school several inches but even before that i was always just like a lanky little person and i remember like my mom would buy jazz pants for me for like my dance recitals and she'd have to like buy the size up and then she would kind of just like (laughs) taper the (laughs) in, so they would i don't have this like really awful um like penguin crotch (laughs) and you could like the videos and stuff it just looks so terrible but um definitely like buying pants is a like if i find a pair of pants that are too long for me it's like a very quiet eccentric victory in my mind. <laughs> i love that <laughs> i also
0: love that your mom went through like the whole process of trying to taper your pants in <laughs> oh, another shout out I to <laughs> Okay. Yeah, or- this one's a fun one, I think, because I have a feeling it's going to be mostly centered around Eden, but what is in your purse these days?
1: Oh my God. It's such a different life, <laughs> right? Like I I, I love bags, mm-hmm. you know, Like I, I, I do love a good handbag, but so many of mine are just in their dust covers and probably won't see the light of day for a long time because my main bag is like my diaper <laughs> bag now. So it's like a mix of uh, diapers and i mean i don't know how it gets so heavy but like babies need so much stuff and burp cloth and all these things but yeah i mean really everything is in my handbag lately it's i've been like surprising myself oh my at, like we you know, we're on trips and just like oh do you have like this ointment i'm like yes it's right here here's the sanitizer here's like eye drop solution <laughs> like all these things um because you just got to be ready for it so if we're out and i need anything i know who to go to yeah. Well at least it's like a diaper. I got you.
0: <laughs> I mean, honestly, Edie's growing so fast that her diapers might fit me.
1: <laughs> Straight up. I'll just cradle her in one arm and in the other I know. And just,
0: um, <laughs> I would love that. I would love nothing more.
1: <laughs> <laughs> pretty much every, every one of our pictures to start with you and yeah. I like you end up nestled somewhere in my bosom so
0: <laughs> I don't hate it I'd be lying if I said yeah. I did
1: okay literally I like, in the shortest girl yes in
0: the room. it's okay you know the exact opposites I, attract yes <laughs> okay looking back on your teen self and this is this isn't part of the fast five anymore that this is you know Purely like food for thought, something to just kind of end on like a thoughtful note. Looking back on your teen self, what is one attribute you had that you didn't see value in, but that you appreciate now?
1: I I think that there was definitely this like quietness to me. For a long time as a young person. Like I remember we would my sister was like a really good basketball player and we would go to her AAU basketball games, you know, and I was younger than her. Like I played basketball, but I wasn't very good at it. But I remember I would be like at these games, but I'd be like reading novels at them and was like that dorky, but like quiet and just in my own imagination inside my books and stuff, and like all these whistles and stuff would be blowing around me, and I would just be like reading my book, you know? And you know, I thought that side of me was just really dorky, that kind of like little imagination that loved reading, loved writing, loved making up stories. Um, I thought it was dorky. And I, and I think that that side of me is really something that I treasure now because it's still there. And I think it's like the young part of me, you know, and I, and I see little glimpses of it in my, my daughter's eyes and I hope I never lose it.
0: I don't think you will. I think knowing you, you'll be this special for the rest of your life. Um, Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share all of these beautiful things with the people who take the time to listen to us. I think that, you know, working with you is Something that brings me so much joy because you are, like I said, a person who walks your talk. You're very intentional in everything you do, you're very creative. You've built this community to be something long lasting, something that provides value to teen girls and to women. And I think that that is something that resonates with the people who are a part of our community. And so I'm grateful for you as a partner and as a friend and as a mommy, not my mommy, but I get to look up to (laughs) you and your your skills. And so thank you so much for your time today, Ashi.
1: Well, thank you, Kishi. Again, just like every good thing that I've ever done is really because of someone amazing that has helped me or that i've met so i owe so much to obviously i mean we talked about my family Mm -hmm. my husband my very best friends like you so i take no credit for anything good in my life but i'm so appreciative well you're
0: a part Um, of the community you built (laughs) (laughs) all right well we'll see you guys next time (laughs) thanks thank you for listening And that's our show. If you liked what you heard today, please like, subscribe to, follow, and share Meet Bridget with your circle. The best way to help our work here is to rate and review our podcast. We're listening and constantly working to build something helpful for you. Catch you next time. Did you have an awesome time? Did you drink awesome shooters and listen to awesome music and then just sit around and soak up each other's awesomeness?